And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, gentlemen, did you know you have something on your heads? <laughs> it's headphones. I'm just teasing you. I'm just seeing if you're awake. That's um, a- today we're talking about, um, actually it's on the heels of last week's discussion. Remember we talked about miracles and how that uh, God is really the sovereign one and he is the miracle worker and he does everything for his own honor and glory. And uh, we started to just briefly touch upon missions last week in our discussion. And we know that um, God is working mightily in this world of ours. Um, we're here in America we are tempted to uh, uh, interpret all of the world through our American eyes. I know that I am. And that's that's basically all I know. Um, years ago, I was associated with a particular denomination that was a very missions-centric denomination, and I feel I'm in one right now. Again, we need to um, we need to have a missions perspective. Um, we need to not get stuck as much as we love our own country in America. Uh, one of the reasons I love America is because it's a launching platform for world missions, because we have freedom to worship Jesus Christ, the head and king of the church, um, because this nation was by and large founded on Judeo-Christian ethic and a Christian worldview. And you know what? I'll be frank. When we start to lose that, I start to lose some of my love for America because my love for America is, is is founded on Jesus Christ. And as long as we have freedom to worship Jesus Christ, we have a love for this great country. Well, all that said, when we read in the Bible or when we hear stories from overseas of God doing great works and bringing many people to himself, it is tempting for us here in America because we are kind of experiencing a um, lack of revival right now in America. We are seeing people forsake the God of the covenant, uh, forsake many things that are good. And so we tend to think, oh, everything is going downhill. And uh, John Vance, uh, before we open the mic, I think you um, hinted at you have some stories or um, some accounts that you would like to share of um, God doing marvelous works in this world of ours. What may astound uh, many of the listeners is uh, that Christianity is growing probably more rapidly today than at any time in its history. Mm -hmm. The early church didn't grow as quickly as some people think. It took 300 years for it to reach a kind of dominant position. Hmm. Uh, But it grew very slowly at first. Lots of sociologists have studied that. But it was a persistent uh, growth from in household to household to household. But today, Christianity actually is spreading even more rapidly than in the early church or at any time in history. Think for a moment. You're right, Dan. If we judge the growth of Christianity by our own experience here in this country, we can look at the statistics and know that uh, uh, Christianity uh, has, in fact, in terms of sheer numbers, declined in in Western Europe and and is beginning to in America. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that's not the whole story. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, Christianity is booming in Africa. It is booming mm-hmm. in Asia. It is booming in parts of Latin America. Mm. And uh, and uh, as someone has said, while in former centuries the average person uh, who was a Christian, if you were to reduce them to one person, would be a white, probably male, 
European. Mm-hmm. But today, it's more apt to be a dark-skinned woman who speaks another language besides English or German or French. Yes, yes. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, you mentioned it took about 300 years uh, for uh, Christianity to really get established. And I, I contrast that with the um, age of America, this American experiment. Let's say it started in 1776. That's a mere 236 years ago. Um, and that's not even the 300 years. So you're right. Uh, yes, this, this, yes. Uh, America hasn't existed that long. Look what God is doing in this world yeah. of ours. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Do you realize <laughs> that today we can't, we can't get at certain figures? We know that since the turn of the last century, 19th century, there are ten times more Christians in Africa mm. than there were at the beginning of that century. Moreover, we also know uh, that Christianity is is growing leaps and bounds more, more greatly than the population growth. Mm. Now that is that is quite a feat. It really is. Let, let's take India. I'm quite familiar with uh, India due to uh, having taught Indian philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, India is a country that very on early received the gospel. Thomas may have gotten there as a missionary mm-hmm. apostle. Mm-hmm. And if he did, uh, at least we know there were early Christian communities in the south of India and other places. Hmm. Well, today, in India, whole villages are converting to Christ. That's beautiful. It is a growing um, Mm -hmm. phenomenon in Mm. India. It may be even greater in China. The The official census of China is that there are about 50 million Christians. Most of them are Protestant. About 50 million Christians. But that's only in the official count. Right. That's there right. may be 150 million Christians in China. Mm-hmm. We don't know. They, they won't allow us to do the kind of surveys and things that we need to do. Right. But many missiologists suspect that there are at least 150 million Christians in China. Mm. And at, no, it's not developing in the same way it has in America. They don't have the same political views necessarily. No. Neither in Africa neither in South America, but Christianity really is growing in this world. It's growing uh, mm-hmm. more rapidly than is Islam. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> uh, in sheer numbers, not, yeah. through, not through coercion, but through persuasion. Sometimes yeah. I feel a little bit bad. Uh, Mark, I may have interrupted you. Um, okay. Way, way back, the Elmdors have a Dutch background, and so I've kind of taken an interest in some of the uh, Dutch Reformed people that would have come to uh, America and um, I, to me, I find it kind of grievous at this point in time. I, I see these great inroads at one time the evangelical reform community would have made in, in New Paltz with the, with the French Huguenots, uh, in the Kingston area with the Dutch Reformed. Um, and, and now I see um, in the history of things that whole movement kind of waning and losing their evangelical fervor and their love for Jesus Christ and their influence upon culture. And it's easy to get discouraged, again, because I've got my blinders on, and yet God is doing these marvelous things around this world. Yeah, you're talking about the Dutch way back when, before this nation was a country. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the the Dutch were up at Fort Orange, Schenectady area there, uh, one of the first individuals who, indeed, we might call one of the first martyrs, was a Dutch Reformed pastor. Can't remember his name now, but part of what his ministry was was not just the Dutch Reformed there, but he used to reach out to the Iroquois Indians in that oh, area. Oh yes, 
and he was uh, eventually martyred uh, in the 17th century, the late 17th century. Well, one of the forerunners of, of the Great Awakening in this country was a Dutchman by the name of Freilinghausen down yeah. in mm-hmm. New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Theodore Freilinghausen. Fre- yeah, Freilinghausen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, it was through him that we had early stirrings of the Great Awakening. That's right. That's wonderful. Yeah, you, you had yes. a, a lot of that going on. And, of course, we had a lot of great mission work right from the time of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just looking at the clock here, gentlemen. We need to take a short break. I think uh, the sense I'm getting as we, as we come up to the break right now is that don't lose hope. Uh, God is on his throne. Uh, he is the miracle worker, as we were talking about last week. Uh, he is sovereign. Uh, the gospel is spreading. Uh, when we come back from the break, I have a couple of uh, parables of Jesus that I want to share uh, relating to this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about uh, missions, and we were encouraging you not to lose hope, because God is doing some great things in this world of ours. Perhaps we're seeing Christianity um, and love for Christ wane in our own country. I hope that we'll have Another Great Awakening, as we've talked on other programs. But here's a couple of interesting parables of Jesus that I'd like for us to um, start with on this side of the break. These are coming from uh, Matthew chapter 13. And the first is the mustard seed. And I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, but it's a very tiny little seed. And it says this, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs, 
and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. I thought that's a really neat parable of our Lord, and I think that we should be encouraged as we consider the the growth of the gospel, or we could say kingdom growth, uh, rather a an unprecedented growth, I suppose, that you may not even expect from this little bitty seed. And uh, the picture of um, birds coming from all over to, to nest in the branches of this great tree, um, I think, is a picture of, of the spread of the gospel in history. Indeed it is. Uh, that That is a beautiful illustration of the way the gospel works. In fact, it, that whole chapter there, in some ways, is talking about the growth of uh, the the fruit of the gospel as, as the kingdom yeah. of God, uh, people enter into it. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that I think uh, would be encouraging to people to hear, for instance, is that along the north of Africa, there's lots of warfare. Many people uh, well know that. Uh, it's it's a truly civilizational conflict all the way across between the, the north of Sahara and south of the Sahara Desert there. Uh, but what some people may not realize is that approximately a million people are converting to Jesus Christ from the north uh, every year. More than a million are every converted. Every year? Every year. Every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's an amazing truth. Now, what, what's the uh, religious um, well, well, background? Well, of course, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's Islam that they're converting really? from to Christianity, yes. Mm. That's very significant. <laughs> it's quite a significant. Uh, now, Africa yeah. has a billion people, mm-hmm. you know, that's sure. But still yet, when we're talking about a million people in that sector, what is called... That's uh, huge. It is amazing. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, it's not yeah. just the desert that's growing there, and it is growing yeah. some, I think. Yeah. Christianity's growing. You know, that yeah. just reminds me of something. I was driving yeah. the other day just thinking about this as I was driving on the road, um, and that is uh, something I think, John, you had mentioned some time ago, that as Christians, we do not have to be afraid of the public square. If given, let's just say, an equal chance, an equal footing to present the gospel, the gospel stands on its own. It, it uh, yeah. when, wherever there's a there is a an open market, so to speak. That's the word. Yes, and wherever there is freedom to to persuade people, yeah, Christianity invariably wins. And you know yeah. what got me thinking about that? As I was driving ahead of me was a was a car with a bumper sticker, and it said "coexist." You've seen that bumper sticker mm-hmm. with these sure, different sure. symbols and everything. And I thought to myself, and this will reveal my bias, but I think it's a true bias. <laughs> I thought. Yeah, right. Um, coexist. It's just that uh, all other views are fine except Christianity. Mm, and, right. uh, yeah. you know, of course, I was judging the person, but I think probably that's basically true. Um, Christians are not typically given an equal voice in the marketplace. Well, political correctness is an instrument to largely shut down the Christian voice. Oh, it yeah. is. There oh, is no, no, no question, no question about, about it. it. It's, oh, yes. It's, the political correct crowd do not want open debate and persuasion. Oh, no, they true. only want to be able to speak and to shut your mouth <laughs> That's uh, on the other side. <laughs> and all you have to do is look at any other philosophy, whether whether it be Islam, whether it be communism, or some form of atheism. Wherever they have the upper hand, Christians are persecuted. Oh, yeah, And they shut down debate first. And, and then, then they yeah, right. shut down debate, and then they persecute the Christians. Right. The Christians, however, if you look at a Christian nation, these people are never in danger in a Christian nation. No, they're, they're, they, they may be in danger of hearing arguments 
where they will convert to Christianity, but beyond that, no. The yeah. gospel is almost like a powerful lion when let out of its cage. It's like it's like the king of the the animals. It's just so powerful because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a, here's another parable. Let me read this, and um, it, this is the parable of leaven, and it's the it's the older word leaven. Um, we might say today that's that's the stuff you put in pizza to get it to raise. You know what is it called? Yeast. 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 Um, yeah, yeast. But anyway, the effect of leaven is that it's just a little bit, a wee little bit, as they would say in Scotland, and it's pervasive. That's the effect of leaven. Now, now get this. It says, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, that's a great encouragement for our view of missions and for our view of witnessing even in this country, sharing the gospel with one another. Um, You know, if the gospel is given the opportunity to be shared, Mm -hmm. God wins. So leaven (laughs) is the gospel, and when it is proclaimed and preached... It does pervade a society. Now, what you have to do is what's happening in the Middle East if you want to shut it out. You've got to persecute it out of existence. Uh, There is a tremendous amount. You know, we have Christianity growing at a very rapid rate in in the third world. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, In Asia and Africa and South America. It is also true, though, that we have an extraordinary increase in persecution. And I think it's for that reason. Yes. It's not an accident, I should right. say, of history, nope. that persecution is on the increase, particularly in the Middle East, where every country in the Middle East, uh, by the way, controlled by Muslims, is persecuting Christians out of existence. Yeah, and you know, I'm so glad you brought that up, and that is, it's reminded me, as much as I hate persecution and I fear persecution, we are not to fear persecution. Because if it means... You know, who do we love the most here? If it means that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will advance, mm-hmm. that many people will come to faith in Jesus Christ, who am I to shy away from persecution? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? We've gotten so used to here in America, and again, we're, we're starting to lose it. You know, America's going away from God. We've gotten so used to not having the persecution. Uh, it's not that I'm looking for it. I don't want it. But you know what? If it means we have to go through it for the glory of God, then so be it. I'll let Mark comment on this, if you would, Mark, on Tertullian's famous phrase. Yeah, the, you know the, that. The blood of the martyrs is the, the Se- seed, seed of the of, church. Seed, oh, yeah, yes. the seed of the church, the blood yes. of the martyrs. Is, did that, of course, Tertullian was eventually uh, martyred himself. Mm-hmm. We do see that, but you're right. It does sometimes shut it out, but those nations that have shut Christianity out, have suffered for it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're almost uh, Stone Age societies. Well, some mm-hmm. of them are, but I mean, even looking, for example, and you, you see a marvelous contrast. If you look at what happened in France at the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre, maybe 100,000 Christians were, were murdered. And it effectively destroyed the influence of the Huguenots, and they were pushed out. Mm-hmm. And they were the upper echelons of society. They were. Contributing and out, far out proportion to their numbers. That's mm-hmm. right. And so what happened at that point? Well, the Huguenots left. They came to this country. Uh, we have them right here in New Paltz. Yeah. That was a wonderful thing. And so what happened with France after that? Well, we had the American Revolution, and this nation became a great nation. France had the French Revolution, which was characterized by the guillotine. Mm. Wow, what a great revolution. And then they had Napoleon. And then they, then you know, I mean, their history was a mess after that. 
let's let's be honest about this, you know. Mm. Um, and they might not think it was such a mess, but it was. It was a real mess. Mm-hmm. And uh, the French Revolution was an atheistic Enlightenment revolution. The American Revolution was born out of the Reformation and uh, was, if you will, a Calvinist revolution. Mm-hmm. And what happened? A great nation grew out of that. A uh, compassionate nation, a nation that has reached out and touched many other nations positively. And, of course, the first line that reaches out are the missionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember in John's Gospel, it says that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son yes. of the living God. And a little later, he told his disciples, he gathered them together, I guess his last speech to them practically, mm. the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yes. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And where Christians have carried that out and been obedient, we have seen a great increase in just ordinary benefits of life. Longer lives Absolutely. by people. Yeah, absolutely. Better medicine. It's true. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, more peace, if you will, more mm-hmm. political stability. And um, I think what God is doing today is like Dan's uh, reading of the parables here, the leaven. We don't always see what is going on, no. but uh, I think we should take heart that God is doing something marvelous and great to behold. Mm. Mm. Uh, and maybe only heaven will reveal the extent of his work in this world today through those who are faithful to him. I am so glad you brought up the Great Commission. That That is just a wonderful reminder to us of, of God's... Um, purpose you know you want to you want to know the will of god uh, read the great commission and obey it um and jesus is behind the whole thing because he yeah. says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth it's a done deal rooted in his sovereignty yeah, yeah. he has authority over this earth as well as over heaven and and literally it says as you go or having gone therefore and make disciples of all the nations i I can't help but believe that uh, even in this little broadcast today, um, there may be someone listening where you've been struggling with the call of God on your life to go to the mission field, that God has been speaking to you and calling you. He's got his finger on your life. Obey him. Uh, don't hold back. And, and that mission field may be here in America or it may be overseas. Yeah, one of the things that this was a commission given to the church as a whole. And so individuals yes. might be thinking, well, what about me? I don't have the gift of evangelism. Oh, well, yes. I, I, there's a wonderful passage here in Matthew where Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of harvest to send out workers into yes. the harvest. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? He doesn't say, because the harvest is plentiful, get out there and work. Yes. He says, beseech the Lord of harvest to send forth the laborers. So this is something you can do. You can ask the Lord of harvest. Now, yes. it won't surprise me if you're faithful in asking the Lord of harvest, he might turn around and say, yeah, you're one of those laborers yeah. I want out there. <laughs> and, you know, last week we were talking about miracles. I mean, that could be a very miracle in your life where yeah. you're beseeching the Lord of harvest to send forth workers and he either calls you or your son or your daughter or or your, you know, whatever, your teenage son and, and that person the teenage son becomes a pastor, perhaps, or whatever. Well, Dan, let, permit me. I know you're too modest to, to uh, mention this, but, you know, Redeemer Broadcast is part of the Great Commission. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, it may very well be that the person may not go out there, but they certainly have the resources to support missions, mm-hmm. something like Redeemer Broadcast or the missions in their local church. Yes. Uh, uh, that's the way. 
uh, God can use your talents in many different ways, and mm. uh, it's all to support, in one way or another, the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ to, mm. yeah. to go and to support and pray and baptize. And uh, mm. uh, that that is uh, the way that we all need the great uh, uh, James Henley Thornwell, an old Southern Presbyterian theologian of the 19th century before the Civil War, once said that the church is a missionary society. Amen. And that has always stuck with it always me. Has, yeah. yeah. You know, I see we're uh, just about run out of time for today. I just want to share this brief thought, gentlemen. Um, some people sometimes get caught up looking for the coming of the Lord and and getting all caught up and figuring out the date and time and all that. The uh, disciples asked uh, a similar question of our Lord while he was still here. Um, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, and this is from Acts chapter 1, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And today, uh, you gentlemen have been sharing stories how that God has been fulfilling this very word that he promised some 2,000 years ago that the gospel is spreading throughout this world. Just a quick wrap-up thought. we got about a half a minute left. John Vance. Well, we've been talking about missions in other lands, and um, we must not forget our own homeland, too. I know we've, we've had the gospel in the past, and we continue mm. to have the gospel. But we are really in a battle here in, mm. in the Western world. I'll speak of Europe and, and the U.S. We're in a battle with, for the hearts and minds of people once again, uh, to turn them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It is what made us great in the past. Mm-hmm. It is what has sustained us, and our future will be that and no other. That's right. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as it says in the Matthew passage, you know, pray that the Lord send forth labors into the harvest. That's something that we can do. Anyone can do that. Yes. And guess what? While you're praying, God will be speaking and, and maybe indicating some of the ways you can help, and yeah. you can do either financially, or he may bring someone into your life that yes. you can share the gospel with. Very true. This has been A Plain Answer for Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. A reminder to please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. A Plain Answer.